that glass ceiling of your progress is is going to be a lot lower than if you spent two, three, four years perfecting your process before you went down that road. You're now raising that glass ceiling of what your capability is and your potential is, right? All right, today we have Luke Miller. Man, I'm excited to to finally get you on the podcast mainly because you're my coach right now. So you're helping me out with a lot right now, which has been um, a really cool journey. And, and I mean, we're, we're still fresh into it, but obviously my reverse diet's going super well. Progress is going super well. And uh, I feel like we have a lot in common with just approaching business, careers, life, fitness, nutrition, everything just at a high level and just, you know, pursuing it at the highest level we possibly can. So it's really been cool to go through that with you. And I'm excited to have you on the show today, man. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. It's, uh, you know, great minds think alike. And I think that that's kind of where, you know, it was pretty clear and it resonated pretty clearly with me of like the level of client you were going to be. So it's been a great experience so far that that collage you made and posted the other day was fantastic of like the first like post-show progress. And I think it's just like the telltale signs of what's to come, right? You see that in a year from now and it'll be blown out of the water. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, I had a couple physique competitors and coaches that follow me and that I follow were just like, holy shit, dude, your reverse is going so well. And I'm like, man, I'm just, and that's honestly, and this is actually a good place to start. I think, um, more on the physique side, but I think, you know, we're going to approach this for, uh, for the people listening from a coaching development standpoint, and we'll get into his story soon. But I think just, you know, emphasizing the importance of the minor details, and this can carry on to anything, but you know, I think a lot because people have asked me, like, what are you doing different? I'm like, honestly, for the most part, I just didn't get done with the show and stop paying attention to the little things. I just kept paying attention to the little things and it pays off. So like, how important is that? You know, the minor details stacking up. It's huge. So it's funny you bring this up. So this has been the year of post-show phases going so well to the point that I honestly don't have like physiological explanations to like things I've never seen before as a coach. And we, we did a podcast on this the other day, John and I, and for those of you who know me already, like physiological explanation is my thing. And so when you see these responses that are just like kind of not able to be explained, uh, just from like total body fat accrual relative to the amount of weight on the scale that's being added relative to the visual change, it, it's, it's, it makes me start to question like, what's the trends across all of these people that this happens. And, and the common thread amongst all of them is the way they approach their gym sessions is with implementing all of the feedback that I've given them over the last eight to nine months of us working together at a very high rate on top of the way they handle themselves nutritionally and around their sleep schedule is 10 out of 10, seven days a week. Even if they go out to eat or whatever it may look like for like family time, they're adjusting their days from a macronutrient standpoint, according to those meals and, and they're executing at a high level. And, you know, we're only a few weeks into yours, but I have a feeling yours is going to be the same way. Like we're going to look back like 12, 13, 14 weeks in, and you're going to be like, wow, what, what happened, man? Like, so yeah, it's, it's been interesting because it's like majoring in the minors, right? It's like doing the basic skills. Well, like you don't have to overcomplicate this process. If, if you're really good at, at doing what you need to do. I think a lot of people look at some of those minor things and they say majoring in the minor, like, don't worry about those. They don't, they're not that big of it. They don't play a huge role. Like there's a whole calories in versus calories out thing. Oh, that's all that matters. So they skip everything else. But when you stack up all those 1% details, it makes a massive difference, honestly. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's also the conversation of why, like, and, and I don't know how much you talk about PEDs here, but a large conversation of someone before they get into that is how well do you even execute training and nutrition and sleep and schedule consistency and doing that over the long haul for three, four, five years before you even consider it? Because it's, uh, one, it's not a decision to take lightly, but two, um, you're really going to be leaving progress on the table if you aren't executing that at a really high level. Yeah. hundred percent. What I did actually is funny. I, uh, I, I took out a journal and I wrote, um, like a brand new journal and I was like, I, I wrote turn pro on the front of it. But I did it for every area of my life. I was like, okay, how does a pro, I did a whole podcast on turning pro in your life. How does a pro approach a morning routine? How does a pro approach business? How does a pro approach marriage, fatherhood? Even like thinking like, okay, who's that dad that's just crushing it and his kids love him? What is he doing that I'm not? 
right? The physique athlete, what is he doing that I'm not? And just looking at everything and you find all these little details that these people focus on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting for me. This has been the most challenging year because life has just looked a lot different than I'm used to. Obviously having a new kid, kind of making that decision to step away from bodybuilding, which is a whole story in and of itself, but and then business development, like developing our third business entity and then launching that in January. So it's, it's been a while, but like the core things that stand out are just like every day looks like groundhog day, essentially for me. I get it's it. Boring as shit, but man, it works. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times the boring stuff, the monotonous repetitive actions, dude, that's what breeds success. All right. So let's, let's, let's take a step back. Cause I obviously jumped the gun and just started talking to you because I know you, but, um, I want people to, uh, who don't know you to learn a little bit more about you. So fill us in just like in a nutshell, who is Luke Miller and how did you get into the fitness coaching, bodybuilding, like the whole industry? Yeah. So like many people, sports at a high level was kind of how I got into it. Um, for me, it was golf. I, um, I lost my college golf scholarships to meniscus tear my senior year of high school. Um, it was like a month before signing day. And I had offers to play elsewhere, like division two, but most of my division one offers kind of went off the table just because it wasn't very clear when I was going to be able to play again. So that was kind of like my foray into, well, man, I don't know how this is going to pan out. I, I might as well start like trying this bodybuilding thing. I was at a gym already that had a lot of bodybuilders. I was interested in it. I was training really hard at the time. And that was kind of like where I fell in love with it was that senior year of high school. And um, that kind of brought me into like the education space. I, I went to undergrad for mechanical engineering, but I did research in the biomedical world where I was doing like prosthetic or orthotic designs. I was doing um, football helmet impact testing, basically rates of concussions within college football. And then from there, I went to grad school for exercise physiology at the University of South Florida to do what I do now um, for Dr. Bill Campbell. Um, he runs a physique science laboratory out of USF. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and that's kind of that journey education wise, I started competing for the first time that first year after senior year of high school. So freshman year of college competed seven times as a bodybuilder um, and found out very quickly that my capacity to coach when I did start the coaching business was came to me much quicker than my ability to actually compete. Now I had built a pretty good physique. Like, don't get me wrong. I could have, you know, you know, gone decently far, but nothing like, you know, winning pro pro shows or anything. And no switch fitness was kind of born out of that. So no switch fitness is my first business entity. Um, it's my coaching business and my coaching brand where we take no all switch in the pursuit of results. And that's just an expression of my personality. I tell people I'm like a light switch. I either, unbelievably care about it and I'm turned on and I want to know every single little detail about it or I'm off and I really just don't care. Um, and, and I'm, I'm like that with everything that I do. And so I, I get really honed into whatever it is. I don't spread my eggs into multiple baskets. I get, put them all into one and just go for it. Um, and I think that's, and we'll get to this in a bit, but that's kind of where my pursuit of this happened so fast is because literally every waking moment was about being a better bodybuilder. And then when coaching started being a better bodybuilding coach, it, it never diverted from that. I didn't, I didn't realize that you were uh, affiliated with uh, Bill Campbell and, and us have stuff. him and I have become pretty good friends over the years. I've helped him with a few things behind the scenes and he's helped me. He's been on the podcast quite a few times. So small world, I had no idea, but it, that's a really good kind of segue and intro into just like one, obviously your brand says it all. Like the name of the brand makes a lot of sense given that now, but how, like, what's your thoughts on this in general? This is kind of like the whole, um, Hormozy thing where he talks about like business is his, uh, you know, that's his hobby and stuff. And I've had this conversation with people because I'm the same way, man. I love what I do. I love getting into the weeds. I love business, but I love fitness business. And I don't do much else besides train and work. And if I'm not doing those two, I'm with my family. And there's been times where I've had conversations with people who are like, you don't have any balance or, you know, but I, I don't feel that way. Like I love it, you know, and I'm sure you're the same. So like, what are you, what's your opinion on that in general? And, and do you feel like knowing that this is your thing allowed you to go that far and that's why you're successful? Yeah. Balance is for average people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It is right. Like, 
Oh, and that's not, I mean, look, there's people that are more successful in business than me. I'm not saying that, but yeah, I just, if it makes you happy, it makes you happy. Like I don't, I've never understood forcing yourself to do things to please like a public image of balance or, or, or whatever that, that looks like. Right. So like for me, you're just wasting time that could be invested elsewhere. And, and this is, this is something I've learned the hard way this year is time is the only thing that money can't buy. Right. And so, um, the more you do this, the more you value your time where I charge dearly for my time typically. And so the, the reason I say that is because when you dive all into something, you really learn that a lot faster typically because you start to see how these balance based things actually take you away from what you're trying to pursue, um, and actually make you a, a less successful version of what you're trying to actually do. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's, it can be a lonely road because like not many people understand it until you find people like yourself or, or like Charlie, who's a friend of mine or John, who's obviously like really close friend of mine and business partner, um, where, you know, those people get it right. Like, like, and just from behind the scenes and this is not every week, but like, I haven't gone to bed before midnight for seven days straight because of this coaching launch that's happening in two weeks. Right. And I don't do that every week, but like there's weeks where that happens and it just has to be done. Yeah. I don't, I'm not a balanced guy. I don't think it's, I don't think it serves people who truly enjoy being the best version of themselves. And that's a really big comment because the best version of yourself and truly wanting to be that requires a lot of you. People will say it, but they won't actually mean it. And so that's kind of where I start to differentiate that. And honestly, like as we start to transition into like, not only business development, but coaching development, that's a kind of a big underthread that we look at when we start to talk about developing someone into the best version of themselves from a coach perspective. Well, I think a lot of people look at balance as one, a time equation, which it's not. If you're going to be successful or the best at any one thing, that's going to take the vast majority of your time. People don't want to admit that. And then the second thing is just understanding that success doesn't come without sacrifice. So if you expect to be able to you know, and this is the problem with like flexible dieting got out of hand, you know, and if it's macros and going to that route, cause you can, you know, you should be able to do all these things. So it's like, well, no, you got to eat clean. Like part of it is not just because there's something special about egg whites, but it's because like standardization and, and accuracy of tracking. And there's just other parameters that matter that you're not going to get if you're eating all your meals at Chipotle, but that's yeah, a sacrifice exactly. you got to make to be the best. Yeah, exactly. And, and it translates across so many aspects of life, which to be honest, man, like that's my, under, what underpins my psychology. So this year has been weird because it's like being married is one thing, but having a kid is another. Mm -hmm. And so deciding if that sacrifice is worth it becomes a whole different conversation when you have a kid. And so there's, there's been a lot that's made me really question like the sacrifice versus the benefit, which is where bodybuilding had to take that back seat. And so that I could open that time up for them and, and, and do what I needed to do this year business-wise to set ourselves up from a buying time back perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I can relate to that so much, man. I, Cause I had my daughter when we were, we were pretty young and I remember that's kind of what made me stop pursuing the physique aspect so much. Cause I was like, I have a choice athlete or coaching business. And yeah. I don't want my wife to go back to work after she's done with maternity leave. So I'm going to quit the gym, start the online business and go all in on it. And there was a, multiple years of just grinding. And I think that's part of what new coaches don't want to admit. They're like, how do I balance my schedule or how do I like delegate? And I'm like, how, how many years you've been coaching or when did you start your business? Or like this year, I'm like you don't, you eat dirt for a while. Honestly. It's uh, man, that's, so you got, you guys got to like, think like I'm doing this for this third business entity and, and we'll get into like potentially what J3U coaching is, but I have two businesses that I'm a very large part of. So full owner of no switch fitness and J3 university itself, the courses that are extremely sufficient and successful at what we do. But the reality of it is for the impact that I want to leave on this industry, that John wants to leave on this industry, it it's not a question of if it's how fast can we get J3U coaching done because it's going to expand that impact. And if we, we truly want to change the industry standard of coaching, 
it's not only education, we have to show that not only with the way that we coach, but the way that we develop coaches into those positions of raising that industry standard. And so uh, that that's kind of how J3 coaching came, came to, to fruit is I, I went to John, I was like, look, man, I coach my butt off and my track record speaks for itself, right? Like the amount of shows I've won. I know that I can do this of like giving this to other people and showing them we're capable of not only replicating this ourselves, but now impacting like a meta impact that's going to stretch across 500, 1,000, 2,000 clients as this grows, as we build that team. And so that's kind of how it all starts to come together. But yeah, I mean, I'm already in a position where I don't have to do anything more, but I'm choosing to because my guiding light is my impact, right? And so if that guiding light is what directs you with every action you do, it's easy to make decisions to set things to the side that, you know, could potentially take away from that, even if you already are successful. Yeah. So the way I want to approach this next, I want to ask you a quick question, and then I'm going to kind of pick apart your journey to get where you're at, because I think it's going to be super beneficial to the, the demographic of young or new coaches, right? So the first question is, um, and you don't have to go overly in depth because I'm sure it's going to kind of expand as we talk through these points, but no switch fitness, J3U, J3 coaching, what is the difference between the three? Like when we're talking about these three businesses? Yeah. So no switch fitness is where it all started for me. And that's the first business entity. That was my coaching business. And it became the coaching business that I started building a team out for. Okay. I already, already have two coaches that work for the business under me. Um, under no switch fitness. Um, so that was kind of the direction that was headed. The reality is John became a John Jewett became a very big mentor for me in 2017. Like I hired him as a coach within like three months of coaching with them. It went from like coach client to mentor mentee relationship. And then we kind of came or he came up with his idea of J3 university back in 2018. And we started working on that with a couple failed attempts of trying to launch it. Um, if, if I'm honest, like people don't see that side of it, but you know, we've, there was a multiple failures of, of making that happen because of what it took to do it. Um, and so, you know, we were kind of working behind on that, on the back scenes, John ended up teaming up with Mark and, and doing like the launch of JTU with the two of them. And then I was brought in again, kind of right off the back of that. Um, not too long. And then that's kind of where my role of where I'm at in J3 University now is like, like the main educator alongside John um, has developed to where it's at. And so like, that's like the education piece. So the courses that I've built in there, um, AHO, the female module, um, we're revamping level one, we're about to launch level two this year, which I'm building, which is going to be kind of leading into physique coaching certifications for people. Um, and mentoring them people directly. Uh, that's That's been like a big expansion of that. And so that was like the second business entity. If you want to look at that from a timeline perspective of like 2019-ish to all the way to like now. And then uh, J3U Coaching launching in January was kind of like I said, the impact. It's like, I'm doing this and I'm really good at it. So rather than do this no switch fitness, build the team out thing by myself, why don't I do it with these people that we've already built this massive team for and, and do it together and create something that's even bigger. Right. And so no switch fitness will still be a thing. It'll still just be my clients, but um, J3 coaching is what everybody will see like uh, publicly moving forward because that's, that's the impact now. Like that's, that's what matters. I love it, man. Um, and I'm excited about it. Cause obviously I'm, I'm a client of yours. I, I've gone through J3 University level one. I have applied hypertrophy. I just bought um, one of my coaches, the female module. Like I'm, I'm a huge fan. I think you guys are doing great work. I've had uh, John on the podcast super recently. Now, right before we started recording, I asked how old you were because I was shocked to find out you're 29 and I just turned 31 this summer. And so you turned 29 shortly after me, but like it's, it's cool to see other younger guys who are surrounding themselves with like the old heads in the industry and the people who already, have, I mean, you, you've developed clout and respect and you carry yourself in a very professional way compared to most 29 year olds. Age is just a number, obviously, but this goes back to what we were saying earlier. Like when you find out what you're going to do, go all in, you know, flip the switch and just do it. Like, don't worry about balance and all this other shit. But 
what do you feel like allowed you to catapult quickly? Like from where you, you know, you, you graduated high school, you had injury, which is funny. I actually had to, I've had two meniscus surgeries as well. One of them being in high school from soccer, going from that point to getting into fitness and all the way to where you're at now and connecting with John and then building something with John and developing more. And like, what are the, maybe the milestones or the key moments or whatever? Cause I get that all the time. And nowadays it's hard. Cause you know, ever since COVID, I feel like a lot of, uh, in-person seminars and stuff stopped happening back in the day. I'd always tell people go to as many events as you can, but like, what were the things, whether it's networking or marketing or, or it's schooling or certifications competing, like, what do you feel like were the things that if you could look back and give the newer coach advice on, like those things set me apart or set me up to catapult my, my career faster. Yeah. So I, I walked the walk myself first, right? Like that. I mean, people don't realize this, but I body, even though I'm 29, I started bodybuilding when I was like 17, 18, 18, right. Right before I turned 18 was when I lost a scholarship. So 10 years of bodybuilding with everything I had, right. Obviously there was business development kind of alongside that, but you know, the coaching business didn't start until I had been in competing for four or five years. So it wasn't like, you know, doing those at the same time at the start. It was just the athlete journey. I would say that's one. I'd say the second one, and it's probably the the bigger one that underpins the direction that that I've headed, is always asking myself the question, what value can I provide in order to leave this industry better than I found it? And if I can't provide enough value to do that, how do I get better in order to be able to do that? Um, and so for me, it's always been a value-driven thing. Like, how do I, I give back to people and, and do that in a way that's person first? And if I did it person first, while developing the business side, like I'm not saying don't become a good business person. Like you absolutely have to, to keep your feet above water, or your head above water. But it, it's always been value-driven. And I think that kind of underpins what keeps me working so much without really questioning it is because it's, it's not about me. It's about everybody else. And, and, and the reality of it is, and, and you'll understand this is like my actions are now responsible for pe other people keeping the ruse over their head. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, if I let them, if I let, if I, if I fall short, if I let people down, it, it's not only letting myself down and my family down, it's letting all those other people down. So yeah, I mean, obviously it doesn't start that way, but that's kind of the direction it starts to head when you, when you always aim to provide value, then it typically comes back around to you to be able to, to continue that impact and grow your business and just a, a person first type mentality. Yeah. Well, it's like that whole saying, like pressure is a privilege, you know? Oh yeah, man. So, so big. Like we, I do an exercise at the end of the year, uh, just like looking back five years and then looking forward five years and I get in front of a whiteboard and well, now I do it digitally, but I get in front of like a mind map and, and kind of what are the critical drivers that are going to drive these key outcomes that I want to happen. Right. And I was like reflecting, I was like five years ago, I was like, dude, I was a broke ass college student or grad student. Like if, if I saw where I was in five years, then now it's be like, man, like you're doing what you said you were going to do because I actually quit my job to go back to grad school. I was in engineering already. Um, and so it's, it, it's those reminders for me that keep me moving forward that what we're doing is the right thing. And and you need that. Like, man, this stuff can get lonely. I'm sure you've got stories too, but like you can feel like you're out on an Island sometimes. Oh yeah, absolutely. More often than people realize, honestly. Uh, um, do you feel like coaches in today's world and the industry and stuff jump the gun on business strategies and tactics. And I feel like there's so much business coaching and business mentors and all this stuff nowadays that people miss that part you were talking about with value. You know, like what, what is that? Like, what is giving value? Can you define that? And, and are you actually doing that before you try to research click funnels and marketing and advertising and, and Facebook ads and all that kind of shit? Yeah. At, value kind of comes from producing results in my opinion. Like now that results isn't always winning on a stage. So let's clarify that, right? It's whatever's in the best interest of the client. Um, and that's, that's a big caveat to make, but I just don't, 
it's it's kind of like okay, it's kind of like in the PED realm. Like if you were to start PEDs immediately when you started training and nutrition and like just I'm doing bodybuilding, I'm gonna start PEDs now, right? That glass ceiling of your progress is is going to be a lot lower than if you spent two, three ish years perfecting two, three, four years perfecting your process before you went down that road. You're, you're now raising that glass ceiling of what your capability is and your potential is, right? So that's kind of how I view the coaches jumping into business stuff extremely early is like, you don't even know how to do the training, nutrition, supplementation, coaching, emotional intelligence, all of these kinds of things that coaching requires at a high clip, like in producing results for different types of clientele and be able to understand and explain why you're making all of these decisions where if you, and that's the value piece, you can't provide the value to the person and be able to produce a result at the level that you need to for the business stuff to even work because the business stuff has to work and underpinned by a product or a service that provides enough value for people to be interested. And so that's where I always go towards like, how, how good of a coach are you, man? Like, are you actually understanding your client and solving the problems your client struggles with? And, and that's where, you know, some of the business stuff I think can help someone become a better coach because if you if you start to look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs and creating a, a needs-based niche rather than like a age or gender-based niche, you can now work on your coaching skills specific to the needs of the population you're going to work with and really hone those in and perfect them, right? It's like for me, like I was a strength and conditioning coach for a while, but I I couldn't do sports to the level of someone that sports performance to the level of someone that does it every single day and specializes it in strength and conditioning, right? I'm really, really good at physique development and putting people on stage. And that's what I do, right? And that's what I teach. And I'm, I'm really good at that skill. And so finding that, whether that's serving soccer moms or athletes or physique competitors or power lifters, and understanding every aspect of that sector is how you start to develop yourself as a coach to be able to provide the value that the business stuff can now work, which is kind of how the courses came to be is, is to teach people that, that yeah. value. I love that, man. And, and I think that the way you framed that, I'd love you to actually, if you can, like kind of articulate how people can figure this out because a lot of people, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about, um, and it kind of clicked when you said that, I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. Um, a needs-based niche, niche, right? Like, and, uh, and you probably see this, I, I always, and if people are listening, if you, if you do this, I'm sorry, it's stupid. It just cracks me up. But like in your Instagram bio, when it says like, I help busy 34 year old businessmen who have three kids and want to lose 30 pounds in 90 days without having like, and it's like this overly specific niche that it's kind of odd. It's weird. Like, why would you specialize in that versus, and then these people will teach like, well, if you're just focusing on fat loss for men, you're a generalist, you're not somebody who's niched down. And I'd be like, well, I don't know if that's the case. Generalist is, is probably, I mean, I guess it depends on how you look at it, but how, how would you define a generalist versus somebody who actually has a niche? And how do you teach people to find that niche if it's outside of just competitors? Yeah. So a needs-based niche is just a representation of the psychology you typically attract. So we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. There's obviously different levels. And so people fall somewhere in the realm of self-actualization, which is the top, which is like taking someone to their highest form all the way down to like emotional needs and community needs, typically where most people fall as a consumer in, in our realm because coaching is a luxury, right? So you're typically not dealing with people down in like the things to survive type of area. And so the reason I, I look at it as a needs-based niche is uh, if we look at consumer psychology, um, they're coming to you because they resonate with you on some level. And so you provide them something that solves their problem to some extent. And so uh, that what that means is what they need from you is what you should provide in the service. And so I'm going to get to like a point here in a second. So like I do very poorly with the fit mom who has three kids and has like four hours a week to do whatever they've got. Right. And and why is that? It's because 
the people that I work with, I expect a lot from, and I serve people from getting into like the self-actualization realm of the best version of themselves that they can be, right? Someone who serves the, the fit mom population really well makes it really easy for them to execute on what they need to create the result that they want. They have grocery lists ready for them. They have uh, recipe eBooks. They have kid-friendly activities that can be counted as step counts or neat. Like these are the resources that these kind of coaches are building for these people that do it at a really high clip, right? They have gym workouts that are built out for, you know, different scenarios that moms may be in, right? And so that need of that fit mom is way different than the need of the competitor, right? And you can look at the biggest companies in the world. They all do this, right? Like what, why are, how are Rolex and Lamborghini similar, right? Two completely different markets, right? Rolex is watches, Lamborghini is cars, but they both play to what's called a gonadal psychology. So they, the need for something that gets attention and they, they don't need to market that. Like the expectation of the client buying a Rolex or buying a Lamborghini is that when they wear that Rolex or when they drive that Lamborghini, someone's going to ask them about it or someone's going to look at it because it's a status symbol. And so that's the sole reason that they're buying it. And so if you look at like marketing strategies across these, these brands, like all the ones that fall in that is like Ferrari, Lamborghini, Rolex. Um, even you're starting to get into like designer clothes at that point as well, where, you know, they don't even need marketing. The, the status sells it themselves, right? Yeah. You don't even, you don't see commercials and advertising uh-huh. that stuff very much at all. But, but then you can sell that psychology to people in a different way. So like, if you look at like Jordan, like Jordan's a psychology of winning at the budget that the average person is. Right. And so that's why look how big sneaker culture is now. Right. Yeah. It's because Jordan represents winning. Everybody wants to be a winner. Not everybody can win. Like that's the truth. Like you're going to suck at stuff and you're probably going to figure that really quickly when you lose at things, but you can feel like a winner by buying a pair of Jordans, you know? Yeah. Um, and so like, that's where you start to get into needs-based psychology. Like, okay, how do I serve the need of someone that's coming to me? Yeah. So, uh, and that's, and that's true too, because I, I have never played basketball. I don't watch basketball. I don't like basketball. I'm wearing Jordan sweatpants right now. And it's partially because of Tim Grover. I learned about Jordan based on Tim Grover or, or, or I learned about Jordan from Tim Grover and was like, damn, I love Jordan now. And now I have Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. about being relentless and, and winning. Those are the two books. Right. So um, now for coaches, it's like, how do we go about finding that? You you kind of said it's a representation of yourself. So do you recommend coaches? And this kind of goes back to, you know, I, I made a post the other day that of course, a bunch of people got pissed at and then there's a bunch of people that were all about it. And I always know that the people that got pissed about it have an insecurity around this, but I basically said like trainers and coaches, you have no excuse not to be in shape Mm. and simple. Right. So does this go back to just, you have to be in it. You have to be walking the walk. And as you do that, you find out the things that you go through, you struggle with, you have to learn more about, and then that allows you to better create value for those going through the same thing. And then that's your itch falls in your lap. Yeah, that's kind of how that works. I think there's some components of like what you personally enjoy that kind of go into that as well. Fitness is the oddest branding of any consumer market out there, in my opinion, because people are buying into you as a person most of the time before they buy into like an entity. So, you know, people people want to get to know you or they want to know more about how you overcame something that they're struggling with or whatever that may be. So the fitness based branding is a very personal based branding. And so, uh, this is, this is where it's, it's hard to keep a brand going if you build a brand that's fake. So it's not something that you represent or it's not something that you believe in, or it's your, like your, your, your core values that you actually uphold for yourself because in in this industry, like you end up being the face of your brand and kind of being the representation of that brand across, across the board, um, which is, which is, it, it gets interesting because then like you reach a point where you can no longer walk the walk. Right. But you should have developed to the point where you've not only proven that you can walk the walk, but you've proven that you can help other people walk the walk. And then you can start to get, this is where then bigger businesses in our industry start to happen is they've gone through that process of personal branding. 
because they've established that personal brand, they can now exit personal branding into more branding for a business and then start to scale. And so, which by the way, I have not been to school for business. It's just, this stuff fascinates me of like, how can I better serve other people? Which is where all this like psychology stuff's come from. Cause I think emotional intelligence and understand, understanding someone's psychology is the biggest skill a coach can have. And, and it kind of brought me to this where I understood how much my actions impacted the people that I worked with, which is where you'll start to learn. Like it also impacts your branding in this realm. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, ah, it's so important, man. Like you, you are a representation of your brand, no matter how much you want to skin that cat and say, otherwise it's, it's, there's no way around it in this industry. hundred percent. Like we, we are more of a lifestyle coaching company. I always say we work with like advanced gen pop. So that the people they're into this shit, but a very, very small amount are actually like competing on stage yet me competing and documenting it and showing it influenced the brand so much influence people's results so much influence their actions and their commitment to it so much because I was walking the walk and I was sharing the struggles and what I had to do to get through it. And it motivates people and inspires people. It also teaches people in my case to stop complaining because they're like, Oh shit. Well, if he's doing that with a business, with a daughter, with a wife, you know, like, yeah, I, I can lose this 20 pounds. A lot of what you're saying relates a lot to the book, the one thing. And so I'm curious if you one, if you haven't read that, it's essentially what you kind of, you actually alluded to it earlier is like essentially not having, you can't be a jack of all trades. You'll be a master of none. Right. But like, if you get like the shiny object syndrome and then you're like, well, I could start this too. And like, it's that typical entrepreneur bug that you're like, let's do this, 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 which I'll admit I've done more than once. And it always bites me in the ass. And I come back to my one thing and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm much more likely to be fulfilled and successful if I scale and build this one thing massively than a bunch of things a little bit. Is this something that you kind of teach in some regard with, I mean, even if you think about like you have three businesses, but they're all within your path, they're all within your wheelhouse, right? So there's gotta be a a level of understanding there, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's technically three businesses, but I look at it as one big conglomerate. Like it's, it's all the same stuff in different different places of value, right? We're driving value in different places. That's all we're doing, right? It's, so it's, it's, it's one thing if you, if you really look at it from like a bird's eye view. Yeah, I think the hard part with like the coaching side of things is from a skills perspective, you have to know across a lot. You have to, have you ever heard of the term lateral thinking before? Mm-hmm. So it's like lateral thinking is the skill of taking uh, a critical thinking based process and solving problems in one sector or area and then translating it into something else and so far, so on and so forth. Um, or taking concepts in one area and being able to laterally think of how it could apply in your sector. Um, and so as coaches, you got to do that for nutrition, supplementation. You have to do it for training. And then you have to potentially do it for injury profiles because you're going to come across injuries. And so you got to dabble in that. You're going to have to dabble in health metric tracking and tracking lab work. Obviously, the extent at which you have to do that changes based on your population you serve. Um, and then that's going to coincide then if your population has PEDs in play, you know, there's going to have to be a knowledge base there. So it's it's hard to say like, you know, you can't diversify your knowledge because you certainly can. But there's always typically one thing people start out in and they get really good at it before they diversify that. So like for me, it was the training side. Mechanical engineering background, did biomedical-based research. I understand force application and I understand like mechanics of motion. So like for me, it just clicked. Like I have a coach, Jamie, who was here in town last week. And she's like, it's so interesting to watch you in a gym because like, you don't say anything. You just watch and like, you can see the gears moving in my head. It's because like, I'm like drawing force vector lines on someone when someone's performing a movement to kind of see how much they're getting out of it. All that to say, the reality of coaching is at some point you've got to diversify, but you can't do that until you get really good at learning in depth, something to the extent that you probably won't even need to use it. So I say that depth Depth breeds breadth. So the ability to spread that across multiple sectors comes from taking some topic level super deep and understanding it at an extremely deep level, because then that skill of that skill of learning 
is now easily translated into these other topics. And so the thing is though, like if you, if you notice all these topics, they're not diverting me away from fitness. They're topics within the realm of coaching that make me better at what I do. It's not me taking a deep dive on, you know, uh, genetic based anomalies within microscope based work. Like I'm not reading research papers on that. I'm reading research papers that are going to impact the physiques that I work with. So that, that's kind of where, you know, because like it's easy to get sidetracked and, and I did this in grad school. I got really into like beta amyloid accumulation research, which is basically precursors to Alzheimer's dementia research. And I thought that's what I was going to go do. I was going to go do a PhD and studying that there for a bit. I was like, man, you just kind of got caught on this little shiny object syndrome, like you mentioned. And like, that was the thing that you got into reading. Right. And so I got away from that pretty quickly, went back to what I needed. Um, so all that to say, and sorry, I'm long winded. Investing everything into what you do means owning every aspect of what you do. It doesn't mean that you don't need to know all of these topics, but you need to know them to the extent that you're going to serve a population. So like the fit mom person probably doesn't need to know PDs. Okay. Not going to touch them, but you need to know health metric tracking. You need to know signs of menopause and premenopause. You need to know the clinical process of potentially getting someone into hormone replacement therapy if they need it. Like that's stuff you're going to have to know because that's going to be the population you serve. Right. So you got to start to look at every aspect that impacts your client when you start to build out a needs-based niche. Yeah. I, I think it like, to know kind of like the whole whiteboarding thing you said, cause I do the same thing. I do it once a year and every quarter I do it as well. But like, if you can create clarity around the direction you're going, the niche population you serve, like what value you're trying to create, the business you're trying to make now, anything that enters your environment, you have this like filter and this priority lens, like, does this align with the path I'm going and the thing I'm building? Yes. Cool. Let's learn it. No. Okay. Swipe it away. Don't get sidetracked, you know, and you can just keep moving forward with confidence but it starts by making that clarity. And I think a lot of people make that mistake on the front end as well. Now you guys obviously are very focused on physique development. That is the main thing, right? Uh I'm a big fan of, and I've told people this for years. And I think this is personally where I think a lot of newer coaches go wrong. Um, They neglect physique development, bodybuilding um, in that realm. And more, more specifically like the depth of it. Like they don't dive deep into that realm from a knowledge perspective, because they don't coach competitors. And I think that's a mistake because if you can learn how to get somebody on stage, you're going to learn a hell of a lot more about fat loss and muscle growth for any average person who has the goal of, of a fraction of the size of a, of a physique competitor. Right. So just your opinions on that and who you think J3U and, and all the content and every education you guys put out is for, cause I want to paint the picture. That's not just for competitors. It talks a lot about it, but yeah. So I'll, I'll use, I like analogies, so I'll go that direction. So when you're looking at someone who does, you know, whatever they do at the best clip. So like golfers look at Tiger Woods, right? You know, basketball players look at Jordan. What ends up happening is as you go through your levels of development, you're looking at these types of people for mechanics, for practice structures, for whatever, right? So let's answer the question. Who gets the most jacked and who gets the most shredded? bodybuilders, right? So yeah, sure. Maybe you're not like putting bodybuilders on stage, but you're doing this down here, right? Maybe you're not a pro and putting people on stage, but you may be like, you know, top level of amateur and, and getting people to photo shoots and peaking people for photo shoots. And like, it's all the same thing. It's just different ways of expressing it. Right. So honestly, man, I I don't see why a, a coach wouldn't gain value from the courses we've built because we talk a lot about physique development for competing because that's where we are. Like we, we serve competitors mostly, but the coaches that are in there, I would say like maybe 40% of them make a living coaching competitors. The rest of them are doing other things like the community within the J3 university. And, and it's because of what you just pointed out, all those skills transfer into all these people that are trying to get more jacked and more lean, right? Like they're, they're doing the same thing. It's just like now you have different expectations. So the way I look at the courses is it's the entire framework that you need to serve any person that comes across your desk. 
no matter the needs-based niche or whatever, like if they come across your desk, these courses have something within there about handling that individual. Okay. Um, and so that's why we have a couple different versions, like for comprehension is like the female module is an extreme deep dive, not only into female physiology, but potential issues you're going to run into clinical process and solving some of these problems so that you can work with practitioners better and speak their language. Right. Same thing with level one. It's like the entire framework of everything you need to be an actual coach. So, um, it's, it's not just competitors. It's, it's getting people to look the best they've ever looked, whether that's gen pop or stepping on stage, a pro bodybuilder, like it's all, you're just, you're just coming to the place of the people that do it best in my opinion. Yeah. I agree hundred percent, man. Um, I got, I got two more questions for you. One is more of a tactical one, just cause I, I know people love to hear that. Not, not necessarily tactical, I guess, but more of a, a, a specific question with a specific answer, let's say. Um, yeah. What do you feel like is the biggest thing coaches are missing? Or like, even if it's a step-by-step thing, like what people listening, it's like, okay, I understand what you guys are saying. I want to be like Cody and Luke. I want to do this thing the right way. What like step-by-step sequence do I need to follow? What do I need to learn? What do I need? Do I need more patience? Do I need to focus on X, Y, Z, whatever it may be. And you can go down a rabbit hole or you can paint a very black and white picture but people love to know, like slap them in the face with what they're doing wrong so they can start making changes. Yeah. And you just open a black hole there potentially. Um, <laughs> the one thing, uh, I, I think it's the depth thing that I talked about, like truly understanding this. And, and, and when I say this, I mean like the physiology behind improving people, and, and, and how this actually works because there's a lot of people who just go in there and they lift weights and they look great because their genetic predisposition for this is just so much better than the average individual. Right. I think that's what pushed me into understanding the why so much is because I wasn't a genetic freak. Right. And the only way that I was able to, to, to develop as a physique athlete was to under every, understand everything that contributed to that, to the level that's like extremely deep. Um, and so the, 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 the thing that I don't see people doing is getting really good at the depth of not only knowledge, but the anecdotal. So like you have people over here who are extremely anecdotal, strictly just experience, and this is what they live by. Okay. Or you have person B over here that has the depth of like, I can cite any research paper that you need from exercise physiology but they don't have a whole lot of experience over here. So like um, the, the big thing and, and, and the one thing I don't see people doing is, is, is depth in both. So like spend your extra hours, you know, watching YouTube videos or taking courses or, I mean, in the digital age, there's so much information out there, but also screen that with what they're doing in the real world. Like, are they putting athletes on stage that are winning, right? Like, or do they, uh, getting people ready for photo shoots and their photo shoots are coming out phenomenal, like depending on the sector you're looking at. Um, so, so depth is probably the biggest thing. Uh, and the hard part about depth is depth requires passion. You got a lot of people who do this that just aren't passionate about it just because they see the dollar signs behind it for some, some people. Um, so it's, it's hard sometimes because like, and I'll say this, some of the, some extremely successful coaches skill wise aren't as good as some of the people down here. Right. Then, and and then it's just like, when you, when you get to the skill level of people down here, it's just business, right? Like understanding business and developing it. There, there is an aspect of right place, right time, but uh, the depth thing, man, I just, there's very few people I can sit and have a conversation with to the level that I want to. I do very poorly in in like social settings because of this, like if it's not my people, I just want to go sit in a corner. Cause like, I can't, it's hard for me to like come down. Right. And so, and it's, it's not like come down from like the things I'm thinking about and obsessing about, like these people are probably just as good as whatever they do. Right. I just, I can't speak that. So I'm a person like if I, if I don't know it to the level that I feel like I can teach it, I'm probably not going to give an opinion on it. So, I just, I, I kind of shut down. Right. So it's, it's that depth, man. I, I've never found someone whose depth 
has been really good and just not figured out how to be successful at some point. Yeah. It's, it's a longer play, but it's man, the depth is so key. And if you, as a coach or a business owner can really sit back, reflect and review and then identify where you're lacking that depth or where your niche is or where you need to build systems for whatever it may be. Depth is always the answer, right? Like you yeah. need to be able to dive deeper into whatever your niche is or into the systems or into, and again, like, I, honestly, like I actually didn't know what no switch meant, but like now I love it. Cause that's how I am, man. Like this year it was a lot about organizing my time, my schedule, delegating. I, I went through this thing. I just, I call it delegate, eliminate and automate. So it's like, what can I eliminate? What can I delegate to my team? And what can I automate? And I went so deep into every hour of my day, every task I do, every conversation I had, every email I open, I started doing things that people would be like, that's ridiculous. Come on. And I'm like, well, if it saves me five minutes, if it saves me stress, if it saves me energy, it's making me better. It's moving us forward. It's helping me scale. And I win, but it's, it's going deep into that aspect. So I love that answer, man. I think that's perfect. Uh, but dude, so you have, you have multiple things that people can go follow that people can check out. So um, tell us when J3, uh, it might be out by the time this airs. Uh, this is probably going to air in a few weeks from us recording it. So um, J3 coaching, uh, as well as um, just like your content, J3U, everything like that, where people can find you. Yeah. So J3 coaching launches January 9th. We've got a, a team of five coaches that have been mentoring with me already. So like there's the, the QC, the quality side of things, like you're basically going to start getting replicas of me at some, some point. Right. So some of them have been with me for over three years. So January 9th, we've got a wait list already rolling. If you guys want to hop on that, um, the courses, this would be, if you just want to get better, not only as a coach, but just like better at your general physique pursuits too, like J3 level one, the female module, the applied hypertrophy, all that's at j3university.com. We also have a J3 university Instagram page where you can kind of start to get a taste of all the education stuff. My personal page is at no switch fitness on Instagram. I've got all of my jazz in there. That's probably the best place to follow me. We've got all the platforms though, like J3 university, YouTube and, and all that. It's, it's pretty easy to find. So yeah, I would say, look like if, if you need me, it's all there on that no switch fitness page, like go find it. It's, it's all there, but that's, that's probably the best ways to find me. Love it. Yeah. Uh, I'll link all that in the description guys. And if you, uh, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to assume that you are, cause this is how I am as well. But if you enjoy the depth as we were just talking about, and you want to dive deeper into the science of everything, um, especially with training and nutrition and supplementation, go follow Luke, go follow J3U. There's a ton of great, honestly, just free content out there, um, between the podcast, the YouTube, the Instagram stuff. So you can gather quite a bit and, uh, as a coach, it's necessary. So man, thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate your time and we'll have to have you back on uh, in the future. Yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate it. 